If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Eating your victim is almost like a power move, you know? It's really sick because when you think about it, after you've already killed them, what else can you do? How else can you like almost desecrate the body? And I think to eat another person, you have to be either really desperate, like you're starving, you have to be pretty sick in the head, or you must really, really hate that person. And apparently cannibalism, almost as a power move, was common during the Chinese Communist Revolution, like the Cultural Revolution. And to quote, just killing the class enemy was not enough to express class hatred, end quote. Like, there were incidences where they would kill people, class enemies, teachers, landowners, and then they would cook and eat their livers. Hi, I'm Teddy, and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're looking at South Korea's serial killer and self-confessed cannibal. He's also sometimes known as the raincoat killer. Yu Yang Chul. He hated his victims so much, he allegedly killed at least 20 people and ate their livers. Yu Yang Chul was born on 18th April 1970. So he's 51 this year. He was born to a working class family and he had siblings. So not the sugar coated or anything, but his family was pretty poor. A little while after he was born, his parents separated and he was raised by his grandma for a while. And eventually, the kids, they all moved in with their dad in the Mapo district in Seoul. So he had a pretty rough childhood. Growing up poor is tough and kids can be very cruel. They made fun of him for being poor, which really in his formative years created a resentment that would basically follow him for his whole life. Yeah, so this is where his hate for the rich stemmed from. Even though he was bullied as a kid, he did like artistic pursuits, like he was an artsy-fartsy kind of kid. He played guitar, he sang, he painted, he did poetry. He really, really loved the arts. So when it came time for him to apply to high school, he applied to an art specialization school. I'm guessing it's something like, I don't know, like Sota or La Salle. But then, right, he was rejected. And 
and eventually he ends up going to a technical school which wasn't really what he wanted to do so basically he wasn't into it. Instead of just focusing on school and getting through it, he started his life of crime. He started stealing things. He ended up going into juvenile detention for like thievery. He stole cash. He stole cameras. He stole cars. He continued stealing all the way from his teenage years into adulthood. In terms of recorded crimes, right, starting from 1988, so that's when he was just 18, he started going to prison. He went in in 1988 and again in 1991. So he took a break. <laughs> he took a break from his life of crime and then he got married on 23rd June 1993. But then he continued stealing to support his family. So the same year that he got married, right, in 1993, he also got convicted and went to jail for eight months for theft. And about a year later, on 26 October 1994, his son was born. And it seems that his son being born kind of maybe made him a bit more responsible because things are a bit quieter for him for about four more years. Either it made him more responsible or he became more careful about it. It was until the year 1998 where he gets sent to prison for theft, forgery and identity theft. So this is a bad idea and he's sentenced to jail for two years. After being sentenced to jail and having a kid for two years, does he turn over a new leaf? No, he doesn't. And in 2000, when he gets out, he tries to rape a 15-year-old girl. And his wife, who basically stayed with him through all his theft charges because like, fine, you're trying to support your family, right? She had it. And on October 27th, 2000, and that's right, that's like a day after his son's birthday, Yang Chul is officially divorced from his wife. He's released from prison on September 11th, 2003. By then, he would have spent like a total of seven years or so in prison already. He goes right back into a life of crime. Allegedly, he gets a fake police ID and he extorts money from pimps and prostitutes because sex work is illegal in South Korea. But that wasn't enough for him. And on 24th September, just really not even less than a month from the time that he leaves the prison, he breaks into the house of a rich university professor, all right, whose name was Lee Dyok-soo. So this was his first recorded killing. Yang Chul broke into the house and then stabbed the university professor in the neck with a knife. Then he used a hammer to bludgeon both the professor and his wife to death. And for most of 2003, this was his MO, this was his modus operandi. He would target rich people, he would break into their homes, then hammer them to death. And he always made it a point to set the scene like it was a robbery murder, even though sometimes he wouldn't take any money, which made the police really confused. And then he did this three more times that year, on October 9th, October 16th, and November 18th. And for his last attack on October 18th, 2003, there was a survivor. There was a baby. On November 18th, he broke into another rich home belonging to an 87-year-old man, Kim Jong-seok. And while breaking in, he ran into the housekeeper, Beiji Lai, who I think at that time was holding a baby. We don't know who the baby was. Maybe it was Mr. Kim's grandson or nephew or something like that. Anyway, she demands to know who he was, like, who, who are you in this house belonging to my employer? And so, 
he flashes his knife at her, which really isn't an answer lah. And then he demanded to know where the master bedroom was, because that's usually where people will keep the money in the house, right? In the master bedroom, in a safe or something like that. And also, because that's usually where the owner of the house is gonna be. So the housekeeper brings him to the master bedroom where Mr. Kim was lying in bed. And then Yong Chul hammers him to death. He takes the baby from the housekeeper and does the same thing to her. Then he looks for money, he looks for valuables, and he comes across the safe. He tries to open the safe, but he cuts his hand, which he completely deserves. And then what does he do? Does he wipe it up? No, he sets the whole house on fire with the baby still in it. But thank god we do know that the baby survived. And this is just the kind of shitty person he was. And in 2003, over just 3 months, he killed a total of 8 people, which more than makes him a serial killer. I don't know if serial killing gave him a confidence boost or whatever, but on 11th December 2003, less than a month after killing Mr. Kim, his housekeeper, he starts dating again. So now, apparently the new girl that he dated was some sort of masseuse or escort and I'm guessing that she did do her due diligence on this guy that she's dating and she finds out about his criminal past, the stealing and very likely the rape of the 15 year old girl and I don't know about you but I think most people would not be able to date a convicted rapist so she breaks up with him and he takes the breakup pretty badly and goes on his murder spree. According to him, on 6 February 2004, he goes into a clothing store, maybe like a fashion boutique or something like that. And one of the shop girls, for some reason, for some reason, it is not substantiated, he thinks that she's a prostitute, okay? And I mean literally, she's just a retail worker trying to do her job and being a retail worker is hard enough. He uses his fake police badge, remember the one that he uses to extort pimps and prostitutes? He uses his fake police badge and then questions her. He lures her out of the store and then he kills her. So just three days later, on 9th Feb 2004, he kills a street vendor, a man called Chang Yang Dae, and he sets his van on fire to get rid of the evidence. On March 16th, so the next month, he chokes a 23-year-old girl, Kwon Jin Hee, to death. He dismembers her, and he dumps her on a trail near Sogang University. A month after that, on 7th April, he kills An Jae San, so Anjisan is a 44-year-old street vendor who scammed Yang Chol. Now we know that Yang Chol is a horrible and gross person, but he's not just a horrible and gross person, he's a horrible and gross person with penis problems, okay? So apparently, Yang Chol was buying Viagra from Anjisan, but Jason sold him fake Viagra. So instead of doing a more normal thing, like reporting him to the police or being like, it gave me back my money for this fake Viagra. He drags Jason into his own van, handcuffs him, and then murders him. He saws off his hands, places them into a plastic bag, and throws them away. And then he sets the van on fire. So, so far for the year of 2004, these murders are about once a month. But they don't really have a consistent MO. Okay, but the next nine killings. That's right, the next nine killings from May to July 2004, they all followed the same method. According to Yang Chul, these killings were revenge for his escort or masseuse ex-girlfriend dumping his sorry ass. So he would call up the pimp or the advertisement or whatever because a lot of these were massage parlors 
And I'm gonna say quote unquote massage parlor because from the different sources, right, the girls and the people they're referenced either as massage parlor workers or escorts. And these all seem like legit sources, so like one or the other. Anyway, he would call up and he would be like, Hi, I want a girl to come to my house. And when the girl came, he would bludgeon her to death with a hammer. He would then decapitate her in the bathroom, smash her head and mutilate her body. So just basically everything to make it harder to identify her. And then he would bury her remains in the mountain areas near Seoul. And we know that he did this at least eight more times. Alright, and now I want to digress for a moment to provide some more context. So we know that sex work in Korea is illegal, but this became such a problem in Seoul, and specifically Mapogu Seoul, that even the, the pimp or massage parlor owners, they started working with the police to investigate this case. They were like, like this dude is killing all our girls, all our workers. So there was this massage parlor that kept sending out girls to meet him, right? But after sending the girls out, they would just disappear, which is hella sus. So the next time that he called, on 15th July 2004, instead of sending a girl, the owner of the massage parlor, a couple of the other employees, and one policeman, they went to the meeting place. The policeman hid out, and when Yang Chul arrived, they detained him. And on him, they actually found a fake police badge that he also used for the rest of his crimes. Which, I don't know, is it illegal to own a fake police badge? I mean, impersonating a policeman definitely is, but if you own one because you're a collector, is it illegal? So anyway, if anyone knows, please let me know. So, <laughs> Alright, now. After his arrest, he faked an epileptic fit so that they would loosen his handcuffs, right? And then he broke free. And this is something that he tried before in 2002 when he was being charged for rape. But this time, he actually escapes. But then he's arrested again about 12 hours later. So if anything, the Korean police were pretty fast on this. During the initial interrogation, he confessed to killing 19 people, but eventually, on 19th July 2004, he confesses to killing 26 people. What's interesting is that the list of victims that he gave to the police, it wasn't like consistent, it wasn't just rich people and masseuse slash sex workers. But in total, based on his confession, the police were able to retrieve 11 bodies from around Bongwan Temple, which is a temple on the hillside of the An Mountains around Seoul. He even confessed to eating the livers of these people after murdering him. Because remember, he would dismember the girls in his apartment as well, which made it a bit easier. And if you remember episode 27, Thailand's cannibal child killer, we did some research. And apparently, if you eat the liver, you get the strength of your enemies. And I wonder if it was something like that with him, like another power trip just because somebody dumped him. They also raided his one-bedroom apartment and they found three movies, Public Enemy, which is a Korean film, Very Bad Things, and Normal Life, which are two Hollywood movies. And apparently, he modeled his killings after these movies. And even though he said he hated rich people, there was a scrapbook full of newspaper articles and notes on things like computers, furniture, luxury cars. So it seems that he was really salty, but he also really wanted rich people things. Moving on, Yang Chul was a mess 
during the court hearings. The first court hearing was on 6 September 2004. So he actually apologized to the victims and their families. So you think he's gonna plead guilty, right? But no, he was like, I'm sorry for killing them, but I totally would have continued killing people. He also wanted to boycott the trials, you know, but it doesn't really work like that. And two weeks after this, two weeks after the first killing, he actually lunged at the judges in court, which according to all my lawyer friends is not a particularly effective defense for yourself and not a good idea in general. He was also supposed to appear in court on 4th October, but the night before, he tried to commit suicide. And I think given his performance in court so far, he basically knew that it wasn't gonna work out, like it wasn't gonna go anywhere. After his suicide attempt, he appears in court three weeks later because, you know, trials go on for a while and he tries to attack a spectator who cursed at him. And finally, on 13th December 2004, he was found guilty and sentenced to death. And because this is our first South Korean case, I did a bit of extra research. While the death penalty is still a thing in South Korea, because of just how controversial it is generally, it hasn't been carried out since 1997, so people will be charged with the death penalty, but there hasn't been any executions actually carried out since then, which I guess is kind of one way of going about it. And in fact, according to his Wikipedia page, Yang Chul's Wikipedia page, apparently this case has an influence on it because around that time they were looking to abolish the death penalty, but because of how disgusting his crimes were, people actually pushed for the death penalty for him. So right now, he's currently rotting away in Seoul Detention Center. And I do know that the death sentence is pretty controversial, but like some of you might feel that this isn't punishment enough, right, for what he's done. And according to him, quote, it is the cruelest punishment to isolate hideous criminals who cannot be reformed and make them die old. It's also a waste of state funds, end quote. So yeah, I'm kind of glad that he's miserable and, and it should be a punishment. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Brief Case. Yoo Young Cha, who was South Korea's serial killer and self-confessed cannibal. You can find us on Instagram at A Brief Case Podcast or online at abriefcasepodcast.com and do join us next week for another brief case. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.